Um, as most of you know, this month is uh, Foster Care Awareness Month, and it is um, something that is, foster care is something that is really close to our hearts, my husband and I. Um, and I just am going to take a moment to chat with you about Foster the Bay specifically, and um, as that is a very um, profound ministry in our church, and um, there are so many ways that you can be a part of it. And so I'm going to just kind of share a little bit about Foster the Bay and a little bit about our story um, and journey through foster care. And um, hopefully you'll be able to um, take that, absorb it, um, maybe fill out a card in front of you, which we'll get to a little later. Um, but let me start by telling you a little about what Foster the Bay is. It is a coalition of uh, churches. Refuge is actually one of 150 churches, if you want to go to the next slide that we have, in the Bay Area, which actually is going to be expanding outside of the Bay Area, which is really exciting. But as of now, it's Bay Area. Um, and it is a coalition of churches that is committed to providing a loving home for every child in foster care. That's the goal, okay? And so what we're doing is we're not only raising up foster families um, in our churches, but we're raising up support around those foster families to make it easier is not necessarily the perfect word, but to make these foster families feel more loved and supported. Um, and it's really important that you have this support um, for lots and lots of reasons. Um, the dream is to have a list of families rather than a list of children waiting for foster homes. So we have a big goal, a big dream here at Foster the Bay. Um, the beauty of Foster the Bay is that it provides a structure and resources to raise up and support these families to make it just a little less hard. Um, a not so fun fact about foster care is that 60% of people who choose to bring a child into their home and foster a child only do it once. They don't ever do it again, which is really intense to me. Um, 60%. And most of the reason for that is lack of support. So what's so beautiful about Foster the Bay is that it is not only creating foster families in our church, but is supporting them so they can continue with this journey. They don't have to stop after that one time. Um, and with that journey, I'm going to talk about our journey. So what we like to say in our family is that our foster care journey has started with just a series of yeses. Um, my foster care journey started when I was on my first day of kindergarten, ironically. Um, I went in. I am, if anybody knows my son Cyrus, I was just like him, never met a stranger, would go home with anybody, loved everybody, like that was me, right? Walked in my first day of uh, kindergarten, and a girl walked up to me, and she said, hey, do you want to be my best friend forever? And I was like, sure, why not? Let's be best friends forever. And we have been friends ever since. Um, my friend was a foster child. Um, she and her uh, baby sister were brought into their home, um, which they had been adopted the next year when we were in first grade, which was really lovely. But I got to walk out with her what that looked like. She had been passed from family member to family member. She had been through all, a bunch of different homes. She has her own testimony, but my testimony with her was, oh, 
this is a possibility. A lot of kids don't know that that's a possibility to not have your parents to take care of you and love you. And so I got to watch her go through incredible ups and downs in her life, figuring out who she was, where her identity was, um, all of it. And so God planted a seed in my heart at that time um, to open a little window, a little yes of, yes, I'll be your best friend forever to her. Fast forward a lot of years to me meeting my husband and talking with him um, once we got married before we had children and we chatted and, you know, I was like, foster care is something I'm kind of interested in. Um, we're not ready to have our own biological children's yet, children yet, but would you be, is, is that something that could be in our future? And he was like, absolutely not. Never, ever. <laughs> and he had a couple reasons. I chatted with him, got his permission before all of this. He was supposed to be here today, but couldn't. But he said, for two reasons. One of the reasons was because he felt like if we had our own biological children, that we would be taking a child out of foster care that could go to another family of people who could not have their own biological children. Like we would be doing a disservice to these other people who could not have their own biological children. That's who this is meant for, which is wrong. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, second is that he felt like he could not fall in love with a child and be able to give them back or reunite them with their um, their biological family. It would be too great of a pain and too, um, too hard of a project for him to bear, um, which is also the point. We are supposed to love these children with all of our heart, and we are at... at as a foster parent, I'm not speaking as a foster parent, but the goal is reunification. That is what's found what is best, and that was something far too beyond for him to comprehend at the time. So we decided to pray. Like, well, we can't, we are, we are called to be a part of this mission, but this isn't our mission yet. So we said yes to praying, and we prayed. Fast forward, we have had now two of our own biological children, praise the Lord, um, and uh, enter Britton and Jesse, um, some lovely people in our church who are very um, passionate about foster care and very vocal about it. And they went to RFK that summer and came back and said, hey, like, this is really great. Let me tell you all about it. And Ryan's heart broke for their story. He was completely transformed. It was miraculous to say the least. Um, the next summer, he decided, oh, I'll just go and help out a couple days, maybe help with setup at uh, Royal Family Kids. Sorry, I don't think I said that. Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a foster camp in Sonoma County. Um, and so he decided to help out a little bit with that. Um, Jesse and Britton pushed a little harder and said, I think you should be a counselor and um, take a week off of work and do this with them. And he was like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can ask my boss for a whole week off to go to summer camp. And they're like, why don't you just ask and see what they say? And so he did. And she was super supportive and was like, go for it, go. And I was like, go for it, go. I happened to be very pregnant at the time with our third, but I was like, you know what? If this is what the Lord is calling you to do, you should do it. So he went. And it was absolutely another life change. He said yes to going to 
Royal Family Kids Camp. And that became our really big yes into the foster care world. He got to see the faces, meet the children, be a part of their lives. Um, one of the biggest things that he wanted me to say was that a little boy, um, at the end of camp, they sign each other's shirts, and he said, he wrote on the, on the back of his shirt that, you are the best man I've ever known. He, <laughs> um, that gets him every time, and it gets me too, because he's mine. And these kids need this. They need us to say the little yeses along the way. It took us a long time for him to just get to refuge, or to get to Royal Family Kids, but he said yes. And he said yes the next year, which was really lovely. <laughs> and then 2020 hit. After that, that Royal Family Kids camp in 2019, he came home and was like, I think this is something that we should do. And I was like, okay, I now have three little boys. Um, I think it was like under five at the time. And I'm like, all right, let's pray about it. Another little yes. We prayed about it. 2020, January of 2020, um, we began the process of becoming resource parents or foster parents. Um, COVID hit, um, which was unexpected. And my husband lost his job in April. And it was crushing. Uh, the process of becoming a foster parent is, uh, it takes a little bit of time, and it took a little more time because of COVID, um, but they you know, kept going, and we just kept praying, and we said, this is another yes. We're supposed to keep going. This is another yes, another step, another little yes, and that felt like a big yes at the time. We prayed through his uh, unemployment. Yes, we're supposed to keep doing this, yes, and we did. Um, we did not have support from everybody in our life, um, but you know where we found support? In our church and in Foster the Bay. As soon as we said that yes in January, we got wrapped, is what we call it in Foster the Bay, with support friends. And this is where I'm gonna move on to different ways that you can help support foster families in our church. And this is what the model looks like. I love it, it's beautiful. Um, so again, we're trying to have a church for every family, and then that family is the foster family in the middle, supported by three to four support friends. And this looks different depending on who you are, if you're a single person wanting to foster, if you're a family wanting to foster, it's all different for everybody. For us, our biggest need was childcare. We have three other kids, how are we gonna get to these meetings? What are we gonna do um, with doctor's appointments? And all of these things of having another child, therapies, whatever might come our way with, with a child that enters our home, or even in the process of becoming licensed, what, how are we gonna do this? So we, have, we were wrapped with four beautiful people, families that come around us, and I can call and, <laughs> have zero guilt and say, hey, we have a training we have to go to. Can you watch my three boys? And they say yes, because they are committed people of character that are willing to support us through this journey. Um, there's other ways that, that we are supported. We are supported by meals being brought. At the time, we were unemployed, and we didn't have the money or the funds to buy a fireplace screen. 
and they bought it for us. They brought over five ginormous jugs of water for us. They did all these things that felt impossible at the time or difficult because that's what they committed to doing for us. And we could not have gotten through 2020, not only as a family unemployed, but as a family becoming foster parents. Um, And this is not only just our church, but these support friends. They are praying for us. They are actively helping us. They check in on us. It is a beautiful, beautiful model of how we are supported as a foster family. Um, So that is one way, if you're interested, (laughs) of um, working with Foster the Bay in our church is by becoming a support friend. So one of those people that, and they say the commitment is like two touches, uh, uh, um, a month. So that means like you check in twice a month, you do whatever you need to do twice a month, whatever is needed. And um, that is a really tangible, excellent way to love on our foster families. Um, Another uh, way that you can uh, join with Foster the Bay and supporting our foster families is by being an advocate coach. That is actually my job at Foster the Bay. Um, I am basically a cheerleader for our advocates. So we have an advocate, Melissa, here at our church, and she oversees all the support friends and makes sure that they are um, doing those touches on our foster family, making sure that everybody has what they need, making sure they're trained, making sure they have all the resources. They are... Um, she is helping them. And then I have the pleasure of being over four advocates at four different churches in our area, which we have more churches um, that are joining that I cannot take on. So we are looking for an advocate coach to help support those advocates, love on those support friends. So support friends, wrap the family. Advocate is in our church. We happen to already have a lovely one. An advocate coach helps support those advocates and raise up, uh, you know, awareness and um, just checks in with them and make sure that they have all the resources they need. Um, and then other ways that you can support funds. I mean, it's not, it's not minimal. This is a nonprofit and these, um, what we do matters. We are making a tangible difference in our community and in our churches and and funds matter for nonprofits because otherwise they wouldn't survive. And so that is an excellent way to help out. Um, also volunteering, we're, we are still doing most of our, um, our trainings and everything online. Um, so we don't necessarily provide childcare, but before COVID we were doing um, meetings in person. And so we needed volunteers to help watch kids so people could learn more about foster care and um, uh, and learn about the resource that we have. Um, So if you wouldn't mind taking a moment, if this at all resonates with you in any capacity, I mean, there's literally something that you can do anywhere in in this ministry. There are so many opportunities. Fill out that card. It is low pressure and zero commitment. You don't have to make a commitment at all. Just fill it out. Um, We're gonna collect them. They should be in the back of your seats. And it's a way that we can give you more information if you do want to be a part of it at all. So, you know, we thank you so, so much for listening um, to our story, my husband and my story, and our boy's story. Um, as we continue this journey, um, we've been licensed now for six months, and we haven't had any placements, which is not what we were expecting, that's for sure. But we wait, and we wait for our opportunity to say yes, 
and we pray for our opportunity to see, say yes. It's taken years and years for us to get here, and this is an opportunity for you to take one little step um, or one big step into this foster care ministry. So that's it for me on that soapbox today. And I have an opportunity to also um, read the scripture for today, if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of God's word. All right. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Attention Israel, God our God, God the one and only, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that is in you. Love him with all that you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time that you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. Ephesians 1, 15 through 18 says, That's why, when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of the love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Thank you, Kristen. Kristen probably doesn't know it, but she just came up here and really lived this morning's message uh, and that living it is a way of proclaiming it is a way of preaching it thank you Kristen she stood up here and reminded us how important it is that in God's community in God's kingdom in God's household we are a family and Family entails certain things. Uh, family entails belonging. Family entails caring for each other. Uh, to be part of a family includes the ups and downs. Uh, how many of you uh, could say, hey, when I was a kid, I absolutely, completely without fail understood every time one of my parents opened their mouth, I knew exactly where they were coming from and exactly what they were talking about. Because family sometimes means, being a part of a family, I don't understand everything. And you see, as, as we are here at Refuge, this particular expression of God's family in this location at this time in history, we are working our way through the so-called Apostles' Creed. But I want, and we want, to keep fixed in our minds what we're focusing on is so much more than merely 
a body of facts to be believed. Okay, here's the list. Uh, now, Kristen, you're, you're highly involved with Foster the Bay. Um, have you memorized their bylaws document? No. <laughs> what do you mean? But you stood up here and said, I'm highly involved in this, and, and I want to tell all of you, get involved, and here's some ways. You haven't memorized the bylaws? Oh, no. Because as we look, you see, much thank you for letting me give you a hard time. Um, if you need to take it out on somebody, take it out on Ryan. Then he can come back and take it out on me, okay? You, you see, we're not so interested that you master a body of belief, a body of statements, a body of, of uh, doctrines, if you will. These are what I believe. What we're looking at is being a part of a body of people that believe certain things. And I think that's a really important nuance. It's not about the body of information. It's about being a body of people that believe certain things and being together in that. A body of people who are familiar with these ideas. A body of people who have these concepts, these truths always running through the back of our minds. A body of people who sign up to help with something in the community like foster care, whose mind, whose heart, whose actions are influenced by these beliefs and by belonging to this group of people who believe. And as, uh, as we were reminded last week, we make in these statements, the initial statement, the first uh, two lines, if you will, of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And we're just going to take a look through the scriptures we read from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy. Uh, Kristen read to us from Ephesians 1 in the New Testament. These truths that have been wrapped up in the Holy Scriptures from ancient times until today that we're a part of. Did you know when you stand up and say, and, and who knows what response you're having, you know, probably depends on how breakfast went and how much sleep you got last night and, and uh, how, you know, did people get in the car cooperatively this morning and did the lights change as you came to them and on and on and on. And sometimes I, okay, we're going to stand up and say the Apostles' Creed. And Jordan says, you know, everybody stand up. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. But, uh, or maybe you say, I believe in the Holy 
No matter how it comes out of your mouth, we are saying, I believe. But, but let's, let's think a little bit more deeply about that because when we recite the Apostles' Creed, uh, I didn't count how many words are in the English version that we're using up here. Um, it would have originally, of course, occurred in Greek and in Latin. Uh, when forms of this statement were being made clear back uh, into the century right after Jesus was here on earth. Uh, I don't know how many, exactly how many words there are, but really we're saying, I believe, I, I am a part of a body of people who believe the three things. I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, and I believe in God the Holy Spirit. Everything else that falls within this document that we recite, that we share weekly, is detail about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see more and more of that as we go through. It's probably worthwhile that we also notice this. And we don't quite hear the nuance in the English language, but when this statement was first being put together and used among the body of God's people, word choice was significant. Okay? In, in English, we tend to say, I believe, or I believe in, or I believe that. Okay? Uh, Latin and Greek have different ways of expressing it, and the typical expressions are, are there's two versions of it, and I think this, uh, bear with me, you, you've, I've been up here enough times, you know I'm kind of hung up on language and words and what it means. I think it's important, we can talk about that another time. Uh, don't want to bore you with it. But Greek and Latin tend to use phrases like this, and I think it's significant for us. In, in Greek and Latin, you believe upon something. You don't believe that something is true. You don't believe in. You believe upon. You, you put your feet on it. You can stand on it. You can rest on it. You can count on it. The other phrase that's so often used in both of those languages that is significant, you don't say, I believe in, I believe that. Either I believe upon, I rest on it, or I believe into. Okay? I believe into, this is throughout the scriptures as well. Okay? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Or... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes into him. Standing firm, putting myself into God. That's what we are learning as the Apostles' Creed 
takes so much, all the thousands of years of stories and poems and actions of God and instructions of God and laws and history and narratives and allegories and parables and all of that brought together to say, I'm a part of the family who believes upon this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I can rest my life on it. I'm a part of the family, the body of people who believes into, I live and breathe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we, we can see this quite clearly in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Is there a way to get that scripture reading back up there? Because uh, I can read it, but it might, might help us to see it if we're back to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, what, what's the first word you notice in this? in the, the message translation of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. First word. Attention. <laughs> what? Okay, when somebody shouts attention with an exclamation, part, exclamation point, uh, what's going on? Is this uh, optional material or is this important? Is this... Uh, bound to be uh, useful to you or not useful? Hopefully useful. Uh, don't ignore it like you do the flight attendants, by the way. Okay, yeah. If you've flown enough, that's how I yeah, put this. Okay, right, right, right. Uh, lift the door, push the door, don't jump out until the slide comes out. Uh, don't open the door when you're in the air. You know, all these kinds of things are important for you to hear. Attention, Israel, God's people. And what's the statement? God. Okay. I chose that we read from the message this morning because I think it hits this point. Okay? In, in other translations, needfully, grammatically, we've got words like the Lord, okay? But, but in the Hebrew text, it's just very simply, Lord. Yahweh. Yeah. Attention, God's people. God, this is the thing you most need to hear. This is why, as we begin the creed, I believe into, I believe in God, is the very first statement. Attention, God's people, Israel. God, now we're going to add to it. God, our God, God the one and only. Love the Lord your God. Um, on the next slide, as the next verses go on in this, um, just pay attention to how Eugene Peterson helps us understand the simplicity of what is being said 
to God's people. Uh, write these things down. Talk about them all the time. Uh, when you get up in the morning, talk about them. When you go to bed at night, talk about them. What's the implication? Right? Not only talk about what time do you get up? Six o'clock, okay. Uh, don't only talk about them at 6 o'clock and 9 p.m. in the evening. If you say talk about them in the morning and talk about them at night, what are you saying? Talk about them all day long. If you're saying write them down here and write them down here and write them down here and write them down here, what are you saying as far as your personal participation in it? All of you should be participating in this. If you say, write them down at your house and write them down on the gates of the city, what are you saying? This should go everywhere with you. Okay. Now, let me ask you, when was the last time uh, you were masking up to go into Safeway and trying to get the darn cart unhooked from the other carts that it's caught on and you're jerking it around and... By the way, it's filled with trash because when they collect the carts, they never take the trash out of them. In case you wonder what some of my pet peeves are. Anybody recommend a good therapist? If you, all this is going on, when was the last time that I was under these circumstances at Safeway and there was one thing front and center morning to evening, day and night, here and there, at all times and in all places. One thing forefront in my mind as I'm wrestling with the shopping cart, God. My friends, my, my sisters, my brothers, can... We come back to the place where in all simplicity we stand on, we believe upon, we believe into, front and center, day and night, God. I believe into God the Father. Now, as Paul reminds us through his prayer that's written down in Ephesians chapter 1, he, he also includes a very similar prayer, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. So you can kind of put those two prayers together and get the full picture of the way that Paul prays for God's people but notice he says this in Ephesians 1, verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. Yeah. That tells me that I am not going to get this figured out on my own. This tells me that I need you to pray for me. And that I need to pray for you. 
You know, very easy, sadly, for me to stand up here and tell you what you should believe, tell you that you should go to Safeway and have God front and center in your mind. Very easy for me to do that for you. Uh, now I'm, I'm human, and you know what? If you tell me to do that, if you tell me to do anything, the first reaction in my human self-centered heart is going to be, you not tell me what to do. My second reaction, hopefully, is softer as God kicks in and, and says, you know, uh, that's a great idea. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the strength for that. I need you to pray for me. I need to pray for you that all of God's light will flood into your mind and your life and your experience so that God is indeed front and center. Let's talk briefly about I believe into God the Father. Okay. Um, trust me, when they, you, if I say there's a lot of controversy surrounding this in contemporary thought and culture, yeah. what I want to remind us, and, and really I'm just planting seeds here, I would love to have further conversations uh, I would love to dig into more scriptures. I think what I want to plant the seed and leave with us when it comes to saying, I believe in God the Father, and sorting through all the discussions about, uh, about equality, about maleness, about femaleness, and all of this, I want to gently say that first of all, we've got to remember that when the Bible speaks to us, there's a certain direction in which the word pictures are going. Okay? And, and pick up on this. Um, if, I, if I say God is a rock, okay, uh, what comes into your mind? Solid. It, it is okay to speak up. You know, we're not one of those kind of churches where you sit there with your mouth glued shut and I do all the talking. If, if we say God is a rock, solid, unmoving, fixed, unshakable, Reliable, heavy, weighty, strong. Hey, uh, did did it even cross your mind? Oh man! So so God is made out of like sand and granite and heat and compressed minerals. That did any of you think that about when I say God is a rock? I I wouldn't think so. Okay, so when we say, when we say God is a father, it, it's very similar. We are not saying God is gendered as male, that God was born 
<laughs> he wasn't born. Uh, we'll come to that with Christ. Uh, but that, that God uh, exists with uh, male anatomy and biology, uh, that God somehow has literally, you know, taken a wife and had children. This is not what we're saying. See, we're, go back to the rock. We are not really precisely saying God is like a rock. It's really the other way around. A rock tells us something about God. We are not saying, oh, metaphor, God is like a father. We are saying fathers show us something about God. Uh, grasp that. Um, we could take a little survey, depending on your childhood upbringing, which, of course, is something I'm always exploring with people in the work that I do. Uh, but there are many of us who would say, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot, but what I do know is I don't want God to be like my dad. Uh, the Bible, in fact, is, is filled with, uh, filled. there are many passages in the Bible that also use uh, feminine and motherly descriptors to say, you know, for example, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus Christ, Son of God, God himself is described in terms that says a mother hen gathering chicks under the female hen's wings is godlike. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, you don't notice it so much in the English translation, but in the scriptures, it says, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You're familiar with this, right? Somewhat. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and empty, without boundaries and without inhabitants. And the spirit of God was hovering. I know a person that says hoovering, which is the British expression for running a vacuum cleaner, not hovering, okay? Really, the, the Hebrew word there, it's a verb. It's a verb that, that is given in the feminine gender of the verb. So the spirit is hovering, is brooding over the earth as if it's a nest full of eggs that are about to hatch out and become baby chicks. Okay. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created humankind, and we can talk this all through, I'm not going to stop to explain the reading of it, but in the, uh, and so God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, 
He created humankind, male and female, created in that image, okay? Both male and female image reflect, show something about God. Uh, We could go to Isaiah 49, God's love is even greater than a nursing mother. Uh, We could go to Luke chapter 15, where it says a woman searching for a lost coin shows us something about God. We can go to Job 38, where it's paired that uh, that God is described in terms uh, this way. He's the father who begets uh, a child called the rain that he sends down onto the earth. This is poetry, right? You, you understand poetry uses word pictures. God is the mother who gives birth out of the womb to the snow. And those two are paired up there in Job. All I'm trying to get across is this. God both fathers and mothers potentially show us something about God. Most importantly, I believe into God the Father, Almighty Father speaks of family relationship. I belong. You ever go through a season or even long, long periods of your life where you have maybe felt like I don't belong? Do I fit in? I'm isolated. I'm alone. I'm left to live by myself. To say I believe I belong to this body of people who share some common things. I believe in God the Father is to say I belong. I am loved. I am cared for. That'd be worth meditating on for the rest of the week. The final word in our phrase today is almighty, and I'm going to leave that because almighty is a hinge word in this very simple first sentence. I believe in God, the Father almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Almighty goes back to a father that family relationship, God is not limited in power to carry out that parenthood, that family relationship. So Almighty goes back to Father, and it also goes forward in that hinge to the creator of heaven and earth, which we'll pick up next week. God, you are our Almighty Father. You have absolute love. 
we, we come from you. You have responsibility for us. You care for us. You take care of us. You bless us. You keep us. We believe into that. We belong with one another as we share these things. And that togetherness we are going to demonstrate, Father, as we gather around the table of your Son in a few minutes here. And we eat and drink together like a family does. Show us more of who you are through fathers, through mothers, and help us to always recall that those pictures you give us are just that, they're pictures. They're imperfect, they're flawed. They give us a glimpse. Shine all the bright light of your spirit into our hearts so we can more and more see the real thing, the real you. And that someday, like Job, we progressively through our lives will be able to say, I had heard a lot about you, Lord, but now I see you. Draw us into your presence for Jesus' sake. Bring us there and keep us there, standing firm with your Holy Spirit's unlimited power. Amen.